0: hello 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 hello. i love you pretty girl hello hello can you hear me now
1: how um, are you i'm doing good how about you i'm really good really really good really fine fine yeah. fine How's your weekend
0: it was good it was, it was fun uh, fun fun productive
1: oh girl i love those days we had some um visitors come in from philly and uh, i had to get the extra room together one of my favorite things spent way too much trying to get it all up but guess what i
0: saw that on instagram
1: Guess what? Though there is a third chandelier up in my house. In the room. Too fat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know how you love your chandeliers. I love my chandelier. Sergio actually made a comment um, the other day, and he's like you know there's something wrong with you what and i'm like huh because i was like looking i uh, just kind of be lucky just trance in a little bit of a trance i'm not gonna lie and he's like you look at your chandeliers so lovingly and i'm like because they're he's pretty jealous. he's like, jealous of like, your chandeliers yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's like there's something wrong with you and i'm like i'm fine
0: he's like i want you to stroke me like you stroke those crystals <laughs>
1: They're so shiny and pretty, and oh, I love chandeliers.
0: Last weekend, actually, last Friday was my last day at work. Yay! So I was super happy about that. I well,
1: would be super happy too. Congrats, my dear. Here, thank you. Cheers, cheers.
0: Even though I really like the people that I was working with, it was just it had it was time.
1: Yeah, and I mean, plus, you have a lot of stuff going on here yeah, as well. Definitely, so.
0: definitely. It's not like I'm not going to be working. Trust me.
1: <laughs> Your wage just got smaller. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Well, of course, I'm going to find things for myself to do, because <laughs> that's what I do. I fill the void.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. As long as it's on your terms, it's all good.
0: Exactly. And you? How's your week going?
1: Um, good so far. It was kind of a slow day, although I did a lot of stuff, probably besides work today, which isn't always good, but eh, sometimes that happens. Um, weekend was fabulous. Munchkins spent some time with my babies. They got in the pool. Cold as fuck. I didn't get in that pool. Not until it's a little bit warmer.
0: But they were enjoying themselves in the pool. Yeah,
1: but except baby Sergio, like, got off, like, the third step because he's tall enough to stand on that one edge. And so he got off the third step. And he's like, (gasps) and I'm like, it's cold, honey. He's like, he's not that cold, Nana. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You got to love them, kids. Oh, I'm telling you. You want to reach over real quick and uh, turn off the fan? Because I know that's going to. Yeah. Right, left it work turns It'll off the fine. light gives us a little ambiance Ooh, i've missed you
1: i know my dear i missed you too i had it's been to chat with Alma like blah, 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 blah. got all my my drama and dirt and the sadness because my hair's thin a little bit <laughs> old age don't do it i say stop right now yeah
0: stop stop where you're going turn the other <laughs> way run <Alto. laughs> uh, so you brought some wine i did i brought some wine do you want to introduce your show oh yeah this is tipsy tales and this is alma
1: and i'm yvette happy, happy day We're <laughs> <laughs> like uh. were you gonna tell me happy birthday
0: no i was a happy it's day. a few months away
1: happy day no oh, um <laughs> you <y'all> start clapping <laughs> and that religious kind of <laughs> no <laughs> so anyway second voyage <laughs> red wine because you know i love red wines I actually thought about bringing wine coolers like the Smirnoff Ice because I was like, it's so warm. I know. Maybe that would have been good, but I'm like, ah, all right, we'll just go with this. All so, right. Second Voyage 2017 Red Blend, you can find at your nearest fries. Um, it says it has a seamless melody of Berry fruits, spice leads... Um, let's try that again. A seamless medley of berry fruits and spice leads to a vibrant wine with a smooth and elegant finish. Pairs well with grilled meats, burgers, dark chocolates, and burritos. Ooh, no, say burritos at the end, but still.
0: Did you? I was going to say, <laughs> did they put burritos?
1: <laughs> but it's a good red blend. I tasted it kind of sweet. Yum. Nothing overwhelming. Very dark, so it's not real light. So you can kind of swirl it and it's still dark yeah which is my fave it's yum dark chocolate would have been good right now
0: exactly chocolate strawberries Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as long as we don't eat (laughs) or a steak (laughs) i'm fine i'm not picky burrito
1: carne asada yeah
0: Mm, tacos
1: girl mm, it's not tuesday is it it's monday (laughs) damn
0: all right, so now that we got those formalities out of the way, you got a story?
1: I do have a story, so I'm going to try to make it as quick as possible. This was not meant to be a really big, long one. I was going to do another one, but that one got so big that it was just too much for me to cover. So I definitely got this from, because I was I love um, I love true crime, as you obviously know, so I actually love watching all the TV shows, so I was excited um, to do podcast yesterday so i spent probably about five hours researching and looking at different stuff and what i wanted to do so I sort of went and um to the garage to start cleaning and i'm like well i'm not done doing this he's like that's fine i'm gonna go to the garage and i'm like oh thank god because usually they're kind of like Hey, what are you doing? It's Sunday. Hey, we're supposed to hang out. It's Sunday because we have we spend so much time with the babies the day before, and we're always busy. So, right. I was super excited, and he's like, "You're listening to Murder again?" And I'm like, oh. "Yes." He's like, "What? How many is that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I'm just happy right now. Leave me alone." So, <laughs> 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 Good,
0: long story. yes, he walks out of the bedroom backwards. Well, he <laughs> he moonwalked out of there. <laughs> well, his thing is
1: is that he sees so much um, right. bad news story that. The true crime doesn't appeal to him, which right. I totally I understand that. and get. Yeah. So. But this, my reference point, pretty much, I saw this, liked it, probably word for word in, in regards to uh, sharing this. And this it's, um, it's on ID channel, which okay. I love. Um, obsession, tr- uh, it's Obsession, Dark Desires.
0: Ooh-ah-ah.
1: Fish are friends, not food. So anyways, um, <laughs> so okay, so let's get on. This is a story about Sarah Palin. What? Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I kept saying that to myself yesterday. Sarah Palin. And I'm like, no, Pisan. And I'm like, Palin (laughs) Pisan.
0: I was going to say, that's a bizarre twist. I want to hear this. You're like, this is a true crime. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, I want to hear about Sarah Palin.
1: So, in 1980, Sarah Paison, not Palin, not to be confused with the Alaskan, you know, running...
0: Whatever she is. Yeah, sure. Weirdo.
1: So, um, 19 years old. um, She has three kids. She obviously got married very young. So, she has um, Stephanie, five, Julie, four, Carrie, three, um, goes through a nasty divorce. So, her and her daughters hit the road from Bullhead City, Arizona, because you know how I like local, and um, hit the road. They're going to move to Las Vegas. So they get in the car, take off. Um, When she finally arrives, she's staying with um, a couple, which is her friends, um, John and Sally. Sally's a homemaker. John, I believe, either works in a casino or something to that effect. It's okay, because it don't matter. It has nothing to do with the story. So, anywho's. Um, shortly after getting there, you know, she's on the hunt for a job pretty quickly because she's staying with this, you know, with these people and stuff. And so her first interview um, gets her a job at a local gas station. You know, upon, you know they interview her her on the spot. She meets a couple of the employees, Donna, and she meets uh, Cheryl and Dan- Daniel. So after about eight weeks of working there, she moves out on her own. So um, Sherry and Sarah actually become really good friends. They felt like they've known each other forever. They're kind of very up and positive people, so they, you know, they're always looking at the bright side of things, and so they they just, they look out for each other. Um, They just feel like they've known each other their whole lives just because their personalities just click, which, you know, you meet people like that in your life, so... So um, every evening after work, um, a car would pull up, which would be Sherry's um, new boyfriend. And so she was super excited every time he got there that she, you know, she was, you know, obviously saw happiness when he pulled up. She, you know, jump up and take off. And they always were inquiring, like, when are we going to meet this guy? When are we are going to meet this guy? And she's like, oh, he's a loner. He doesn't he doesn't people too well. So, um,
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, so, as a loner that doesn't people too well.
1: I I agree. I agree. So the only thing she mentioned was his name was Andrew Island and that he was super sweet. He was gentlemanly, um, polite. um, He was generous. um, And she, you could tell that she was totally infatuated with her, maybe even falling in love with him at that point, you know? Right. So at the time that Andrew would pick up Sherry from work, he stood outside his car, and he would stare at Sarah, who was working inside the whole time, giving her the complete creeps. Ew. uh, Making her feel like she was kind of a piece of meat. Just making her real uncomfortable. So, um... One day after, um, one day Sherry comes in, she's really upset, she's really quiet, she don't want to talk to anybody, um, she's has that kind of, I just want to get the fuck out of work kind of feeling, and so Sarah kept prodding and like, hey, what's wrong, what's going on, and, um, she just wouldn't say, wouldn't want to talk to anybody, and finally she blurted out, he's married. Um. Oh, wow. So she was upset, and so she ended up leaving out of work, and, um, obviously Sarah and Donna were worried about her because of their state of mind and her just, you know, just being sad and upset over some guy that she totally was into. So, um, the next day, um, Sherry was scheduled to work, but she didn't show up. So, which is really uncharacteristic of her. So the police actually had come to the gas station, I guess after, I'm assuming after somebody reported her missing, um, asking Sarah, her coworkers, you know, if they had seen her kind of asking about her personal life, if they didn't, if they, um, if they knew anything about any about anything or boyfriend they mentioned his name but they didn't have a lot of details because they never met him they really didn't have a conversation with him they really yeah, didn't know him besides good. you know seeing him through a window um so um they the sarah and the co-workers kind of didn't know how to feel they um just knew that sherry was having problems with the boyfriend and that um and then that was about it so later on they find sherry's jeep at a local shopping center which they know is really out of characteristic of her because she loves her Jeep. So as time goes on, they kind of realize that she's she's the longer more time Nothing that goes by. That. She's not going to be fine. She's not going to be found. So six weeks after Sherry's disappearance, um, the gas station promotes Sarah to manager just until Sherry comes back because they're still, you know, out of courtesy. They're still kind of hoping right. that she comes back. Um, the gas station, um, they mentioned was like the armpit of the West. It was one of those older gas stations, not like the QTs we have now. And by the way, this is 1980. Oh, okay. So, you know how those gas stations were kind of grubby and grimy and not the best. So that's what they mentioned. It was, they called it the armpit of the West, um, so, but they had a lot of foot traffic because they had low prices in gas. Um, so with Sarah being a manager, she was given a pager. And what that would happen is that, I'm not sure if you remember these, those pagers would sometimes have live messages. Remember any of those at all?
0: No, I don't. Okay.
1: So um, it would literally be a live message, a pager. And then you'd hear this voice coming out of this pager, um, almost like a walkie talkie Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it was for upper management. They needed to know um, where their managers were at 24-7. She needed to be able to be contacted at any time. So, um, one day while she's there, you know, she's, um, some guy comes and introduces himself. Um, his name is Robert uh, Gennaro. She describes him as extremely good looking. He's very charismatic. She said, you know, any guy, any woman would, would want to date him. He's just that kind of guy. Um, he mentioned that he knew she was a manager, which she didn't find odd. She figured he's probably just a local guy. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So after talking to him for a bit, I would think that was odd. I would too, but it's the eighties. So. I don't know. It's people have more um have more social interaction at that time and it was probably a smaller area. I'm always suspicious when know, people right. know things about me. How'd you find you know? out?
0: <laughs> Who do you know? Who told you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but she's naive 19 right, out her right, own, right. you know so um he eventually asked sarah out on a date and as much as she was flattered she's like i have a lot going on i'm a manager i need to be on call all the time i have a couple of kids and he was like no problem totally understand that he goes but don't forget me he goes like that um you know that he's like don't forget me um and she's like how how can i possibly forget him um because she thought he was handsome with that being said, he would constantly, frequently visit the the gas station and ask her continuously ask her out on a date. Polite every time she politely said no, he was like, Okay, you know, and then would ask her again. So persistent. It was the eighties again. Right. So
0: let's blame it on the eighties. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> 70s 80s 60s all the same <laughs> so um a few months go by uh, sarah's going through the emotions of everyday living working her you know leaving the kids with the babysitter coming home so one day she's actually paged and she's in the shower so she jumps out of the shower puts a towel on um runs up there because she doesn't want to miss this message so when the message actually comes out it says it was like beep 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 beep, and it says you look good in a towel <gasps> Oh yeah. So she thought, "Oh my god, this is fucking really weird. Is it a coincidence? Somebody really know what I'm doing?" But of course, she's young and she doesn't want to seem weak. Because again, '80s, she lets it slide. You're gonna cringe a lot more before we (laughs) get into this. So. The paging and messages continue to do and um, do continue to do that for the next few months. The voice coming from the painter continued to be more vulgar, more descriptive. He was describing what he was going to do to Sarah. Um, he she was sometimes able to hear him masturbating in the background. Oh,
0: gross! Right.
1: Um, and some of the message he would tell her it's almost time, alluding that, um, that he was going to come visit her several occasions. You'd have to turn on the volume because these messages would go off sporadically. So she, um, didn't want her girls obviously to hear that, but she needed to be contacted all the time. So she couldn't turn it off.
0: Exactly. Oh,
1: so, um, sometimes it actually, the messages would come every two hours. And then after a while, they started getting a little bit more violent. I'm going to tie you up. I'm going to cut you up. Um, and then one time. there was a woman screaming in the background and so um she said it became just so overwhelming that she just couldn't hack it and deal with it anymore because of everything that was going on and it's weird though because like i said she didn't call the police because she's like what am i going to tell my managers or the police somebody's crank calling me what do you think they're gonna do it's the 80s Well, still do it (laughs) i agree but it's the 80s so it starts a trail so she actually starts turning her pager off right okay so um like i said she mentioned she's like what am i gonna tell my manager that i'm getting rude messages i mean it was she was young kind of that whole like i need my job right. kind of thing and so she didn't want to rock the boat much but i agree with you she should have called the police you know after a while she's just looking at everybody coming into the gas station um she know, you know she, she starts looking around and then she realizes is that her pager number is right behind the cash register in plain view
0: oh wow
1: somebody can even
0: walk past
1: the window and see her pager number she just she kind of felt trapped she felt like couldn't talk to anybody about it um she did mention it to her mom but she did talk to her mom but not about the scenario because i guess her mom had just had a stroke so she didn't want to rock the boat with her mom either and cause her to be more scared i know girl they're 19 she's young she's dumb for lack of anything else yeah Just sucking it up. Telling you. Again, 80s. Because, you know, women were dismissed a lot of being for hysterics. you know what I mean? Hey, you're hysterical. You're being overdramatic. And and a lot of these things were actually real situations happening. And if you... I mean, they're saying, like, even the, the 60s, 70s, 80s were, like, heydays for these serial killers because nobody believed them. Right. So... Anyways, back to topic. Um, so during the time, um, Robert, again, uh, was true to his word. He would come in frequently, continue to ask her out. Um, finally, just her being so emotionally drained, he asked her out and she agreed. So um he called her at work literally fifteen minutes after she agreed she's like yeah call me uh, we will make the arrangement fifteen minutes later she's calling he's calling her at work, to make arrangements to go out you know she's like fine here's my address come to my house tomorrow, um seven o'clock and he's like oh he goes that's that's perfect okay I'll be there I've been waiting for a really long time for this, and then she said something about his tone just didn't seem right and she's like her gut said don't go out with this guy right. So she didn't go out with them. So it's good. That's good. Follow that gut. Right. There's something she did. So the next day she has to work. Um, and usually she gets out a little bit early. which um, she could have been home at 7 o'clock for that date. But she actually stays over. Just in hoping that he will kind of get tired of waiting for her. Kind of get the hint. And go home. So she actually left the gas station around 9.30. Figuring he'd be gone. Um, and then she was kind of just that nervous energy. Because eventually he was going to come back. Because he went to that gas station frequently. So... She was outside kind of like cleaning up, you know, just cleaning up the the actual gas pumps and stuff, you know, making sure the things are shite and briny, shite and briny. bright and shiny. <laughs> <laughs> I like
0: shite and brainy. Shiny briny.
1: Shite and Wine. I said wine. Um, and so she notices that his, um, she notices somebody like revering, revving their truck. And so, um. She just, you know, vroom, 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 vroom. So um, as she looked around, she sees that it's Robert's truck. And so she starts getting a little bit nervous. And she starts kind of running towards the um, office. And he hauls ass, tries to run her down.
0: Okay, so the fact that she didn't go out with him, did she stand him up? Did he show up at her house? And she, she stood
1: him up. And so a couple days, like a couple days after,
0: oh, oh, okay. she stood
1: him up. Like She was kind of nervous. Having that nervous energy about right, seeing him again, right. he shows up revving his truck, almost running her completely down. She barely made it into, um, this office. And so the, I guess, um, and of course I don't know if the documentary is like absolute true or some of it's probably due for trauma, drama, wow. Dramatization. Right. So the girl goes to call the police. She's like, no, 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 no. I got this. And I'm just like, Sarah, no girl, you do not got this. Sarah, 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 Sarah. So, um, he actually starts screaming at the window, um, telling her that, um, you know, she ruined everything. That she was a bitch. That she was a whore. That you know, ruined just what? Angrily, because they didn't she didn't even go on up. a
0: date. They didn't even have a you life. You ruined <laughs>
1: everything, is what he said. Oh wow. um, You made me look like a fool. And it was at that time where Sarah kind of saw that the mask that he had been care, we had been showing her, had completely melted off. She said she could see the real, the real Robert. That his face features almost looked different. That his bone structures almost looked different. And that he seemed, e- he seemed like he looked evil.
0: Right. Oh my God. So.
1: Two weeks had passed. Sarah's still just kind of on edge because these messages are still nonstop during this whole time, and they're now they're continuing to escalate. They're more violent and sexual nature. They're talking about dismemberships, um, dismember dismemberment, stabbing, shooting. Um, and then the tone at this point, it's almost like he's enjoying and he's excited to do these things to her right. that he's leaving these mess, you know, putting these messages on. Um, she contemplates again calling the police. But then doubt yourself again, thinking, what am I going to tell them? I'm getting crank calls. So she again doesn't, and I put in parentheses fucking 80s. (laughs) So. Um, she had actually become so anxious and distraught that she was actually, um, not only getting these messages, messages, um, for reals, but she was actually dreaming about those messages. So she sometimes couldn't even
0: tell which was was real and which
1: was, which was not. So, um, one night while sleeping, middle of the night, the pager goes off and she starts hearing whimpering sounds coming from that pager. Um, she couldn't tell if it was human or animal at first. Um, then the sound became more and more apparent that it was a woman and that um the woman on the other end was screaming in absolute terror what the fuck um the messages um coming through were just more violent like from the other for he just come violent and that he it sounded like he was either beating or killing that woman on the other end so um again i have no idea why the police weren't called the only thing i could say is fucking 80s but uh, i don't know so in I mean, all
0: this all this time her friend hasn't been found no, the the other employee
1: no. So, um, one night while working her mom, um, Sarah's mom calls her and frantically, she's like, I just got off with the Las Vegas police. They said that they found, um, Sherry's body and that somehow you were linked to her homicide. What? Yeah. So, um, she's like, okay. So she immediately hangs up. Um, and when, it, when she hangs up the phone, almost at that same time rings and she answered it and it happens to be the, L- the las vegas police department and they tell her um we need you to get out of sight immediately um that they were on their way over there so she sarah um, hangs up the phone with the police calls her babysitter tells her to get the girls inside and then she closes the store so some people are still trying to get in knocking on the door so she goes to this back office and just completely locks herself up um when the police uh, finally get there, they immediately search the gas station, um, and that's when the detective had told Sarah that they had found the body of Sherry, that she had been dumped outside in the, de- outside in the desert, um, that she had been raped and brutally murdered. Um, and this is six months after her disappearance. God. Um, they said that they had found a wallet that contained Sarah's name and home address when they found Sherry.
0: Oh, shit.
1: So, uh, Sarah was just emotional. She, um, she just, she, she just, just completely emotional. She, because her friend was, her friend that she loved was dead and somehow she was tied to her death. And, um, so the police actually tell her, you know what? I need you to get into the squad car, lay down in the back seat. We want you completely out of sight. So she does that. So, you know, you can imagine that drive to the, um, police station, just, her mind probably just going 100 miles an hour anxiety um, would have been too much she said it was an absolute just surreal feeling when they finally got to the station she was presented with a large um photo album type mug book um and as she's looking through the book um full of just different men the detective asked her do you recognize that man and she that's when that's when she kind of realized her she's like what do you mean that man are you saying this whole mug book is one man and the police officer was like, yes. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. They said the man looked white with blonde hair, um, Mexican in another photo. Um, and they, and that was about that time where the detective mentioned that, um, they felt like that man specifically was going to try killing her. So Sarah was like, why the fuck would he try killing me? I did, didn't do anything how did, What to made them make buddy. that jump? I they didn't put too much detail. I'm assuming they're probably following some leads in investigations. Right. Maybe they found some more evidence on Sherry. Uh-huh. Um, but I couldn't tell you the reasoning why they jumped in there, jumped to that conclusion, but it makes kind of sense when they were immediately um, at her work asking about Sherry's private life and so on and so right. forth. Maybe they already had some sort of lead. Um, so anyways, as she's continuing to um, turn the pages, there he is, Robert Gennaro is who she sees in this mug book. And she said she just immediately felt nauseated. Oh
0: my god. And then
1: she flipped a few more pages and then she saw Andrew, Sherry's boyfriend.
0: So oh, they're the same were, guy. They're the
1: same guy. So she she said that she said she just didn't even know what to do. She just felt nauseated. So um The detective had informed Sarah that they would look through tombstones looking for men around the... I'm sorry, that the killer, serial killer, would actually look through tombstones looking for men about the same age, request their birth certificates, and they said that his real name was Stephen Peter Morin and that he had been an active serial killer since 1969 and they have not been able to uh, to catch him. Sarah realized that if they hadn't been able to catch him in the 11 years that he'd been killing people, she's like, I'm, I'm dead. I'm, I'm fucking dead. But so they knew his MO, so... Right, but they haven't been able to catch him even knowing right. his MO. So they just made sure they told her, hey, you're in danger. You need to get out of town. Um, they described him as one of the most brutal and sadistic serial killers they had ever dealt with.
0: That is so freaky. I mean, he could basically become anybody. Yeah,
1: definitely. So um, they said that he had raped and beat uh, Sherry several times throughout that six months. Um, it was at that time where Sarah just had that fucking pit of her stomach that she realized that she was hearing the murder and the screams of her friend through that message. I had a feeling. So um, and that when he finally got tired of Sherry, he eventually shot her on the head and just dumped around the desert. So police started showing pictures of women he had tortured and killed. Um, Sarah was seeing things carried out that he had promised to do to her, including removing eyes and degrading her skull. Um, police informed Sarah that 44 women and seven men were vic- suspected in being victims of, of the Stephen Peter Morin. They said Sarah immediately thought um, she was going to die. Um, he's killed all these people. Again, they haven't been able to catch him. Why were they going to catch him now? So the police obviously told uh, Sarah that they couldn't watch her on the clock. They told her, get your shit, get out of town, somewhere safe. So uh, the next day, um, she had actually went with her friend, Sally, the one, the couple that she had stayed with when she first got to Las Vegas. She's like, she's strong. I don't want to be by myself. So she goes to her apartment to pick up a few things, says, hey, I'm going to go in there real fast, (sighs) grab it, come out. So about halfway, um, halfway to getting to the door, Sally stops, grabs Sarah's hand, squeezes it, t- squeezes it tightly, and, and then mouths um, get in the car. So they immediately ran to the car, started it, sped off. And so when they, um, when they did that, uh, Sally started saying that she had actually seen a man inside and that she could actually hear him.
0: Oh, shit.
1: So police got there, searched her apartment, but he was obviously long gone. So he was sitting in a chair that was in front of the door. Um, It looked like he had planned on shooting her is what they um, suspected. Uh, Sarah started looking around and then noticed that he had completely gone through her address book. So anywhere she planned on going, he had an address to it.
0: And where are her daughters?
1: Her daughters are with a babysitter this whole time so yeah not the whole time but i'm pretty sure that i mean she works she works whether she she has them at home or whether she's the police station right i'm pretty sure she called say hey this is going on i need you to keep the girls the girls are safe though so sarah grabbed her stuff took off back home to bullhead city arizona with her family um she said she felt a little bit safer because there was a police um stationed at the end of the block um however um she answered the phone one day and at the end of at the other end of the call somebody said I still know where you're at, and I'm still going to kill you. Fuck. So, just fucking scared shitless, she grabbed her shit, grabbed her girls, um, and moved in with an aunt in Texas, figuring that it would take some time for um, this fucking psycho to find her. So, um, they said that, but although, even though it would take him time to find her, they said that because of his obsession with her, he's likely never to let it go. Just like a dog with a bone.
0: Right. He's going to just keep coming.
1: Yeah. So... Almost a full year later, um I believe it was a let's see a full year later from I think when they found cherry in december nineteen eighty one police finally arrested Stephen Peter Morin. um they had caught him trying to leave San Antonio, Texas, in a greyhound bus they um he was wanted for another murder of Carrie Marie Scott, and they said that he had such an obsession with Sarah that they they eventually figured that he was in Texas specifically to find her exactly. Um, so Stephen Peter Moran was arrested after a four year FBI man manhunt. He pled guilty to four counts of murder, um, but has been linked more to more than thirty unsolved cases. Oh shit. So there shit. just probably wasn't enough evidence, I'm right. assuming. Um because there's no DNA, there's no nothing to that effect. Um he was eventually he was sentenced to death on March thirteenth, nineteen eighty five. Due to his um, constant drug use, it took over forty minutes for them to actually find a vein. Which I'm like, vein, shock that motherfucker. <sighs> but um, they was mentioned that he um, had found God during this time, so he was actually speaking. Um, forgive them, father, father, as for they know, father, father. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> forgive them, father. I feel like it's that baseball <laughs> episode. <laughs> So, oh anyways, he. But he was saying like, you know, for they not know, not what they do. Um, but some people said that they found that this was just a manipulation ploy. So that right. way Christian groups would actually speak out for him. Exactly. Um, Sarah, on the other hand, built a new life with her daughter and now lives in Oregon. So she actually wrote a book called Sarah's Story and it is on Amazon. Side note, um, Chris Clark, I guess he wrote for The Guardian one it was The Guardian. Um, and that he actually knew Steve Warren, um as Ray Constantine in 1981. And he has a whole other story behind that. So if you get a chance to read that, because that was kind of interesting yeah, and much gonna, shorter.
0: Now I want to go check it out.
1: So there you go. That was, uh, that was that. That was no good. But they caught him. They killed him. Yeah. At least she got some sort of peace in knowing that he died. Um, because not many people do, so.
0: And we have some peace, too, that he's not sitting in jail just like soaking Waiting. up notoriety or any of that stuff i hate that
1: i hate you too i totally agree so <sighs> what do you have for us alma after that
0: up and down roller coaster well i have some I ghosties okay some more ghosties All right. yes have you ever heard of bobby Mackey's music world no it's in kentucky
1: okay bobby Mackey, as in music or yeah, as in music. the designer because isn't there a designer music. named bobby mackie okay
0: yeah uh, he's a he's a country singer. He's you know he would never made it big, but okay you know, he has a good local following, and he's got some. I've never heard him. Gracias. Lug, lug,
1: lug, lug, lug. Cheers.
0: All right. So, anyways, he has this place It's in Kentucky. Okay. And it's purportedly very haunted. Ooh. Yeah. That's
1: how we like them.
0: Exactly. So. It's a nightclub. It's a honky tonk located at 44 Licking Pike, Wilder, Kentucky. Yeehaw! About a stone's throw from Ohio. Okay. Um, and of course, it's owned by Bobby Mackey. The honky tonk has been s- several different seen several different reincarnations. Built in 1895, the building originally was home to a slaughterhouse.
1: Oh, okay. In Slaughtering the of animals, not people, right?
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a bad mama jamma dream. Yeah.
0: Um, so in the basement uh, was a well that was constructed to collect the refuse and blood of animals being slaughtered okay. above, and the well fed out into the nearby, nearby river, turning the clear waters red with each new blood dump.
1: Oh my God! They How just do you like that, that image. into the river. Yeah. That can't be, that can't be sanitary.
0: It's not. <laughs> I think that's pretty much why it closed.
1: <laughs> I baptize thee.
0: And the river's flow bread. That is so gross. Um, and then it closed in 1890. Okay. The building purportedly became a gathering place for cultists. And I don't know. This is a legend that it like Satanists like this place. Okay back in the day but it's never been really proven. proven from what i everything that i'm reading it's this is more of a legend than it is an actual fact and it kind of like gives a little bit more credence to the some of the other stuff that comes after in 1896 the murder of a pregnant pregnant <laughs> <A again>. pilgrim <laughs> yeah <a> pilgrim <laughs> In 1896, the murder of a pregnant 22-year-old, Pearl Bryan, took place less than two miles from the slaughterhouse. It is said that Pearl and her partner wanted to abort the baby, so they decided to try and do it themselves. Oh, God. What year was this? 1896. Oh, God. Yeah. That's not sanitary at all. Not at all. And instead of going to a doctor, sadly, her partner and his friend, who was helping in the attempted abortion as well, didn't have the knowledge on how to get rid of a baby. You think? And I guess Uh, they they both went to, like, some dental college, so maybe they thought that qualified them, but they didn't get it right. She dies.
1: No, imagine that.
0: Yeah. Oh, my
1: God. And poor, you know, this poor girl, this poor Pearl. Oh, my God. I mean, I can't even imagine the stress. And fucking pressure on some of these girls doing something. Just giving into a whim, uh, a silliness, uh, something like that. And getting knocked up and then having to have some... How much pain was she in before she died? How much did she bleed out? Oh I mean, my there's god, so many. yeah. I remember um, when I was in school, I remember hearing that um, that before abortion was legal. And again, it's your right. It's your body. That's how I, I genuinely feel. So no judgment here. Um, but... I remember them telling how they would have to go to these dark corners, these unsanitary um, situations. And I'm just like, "That, oh my God, these poor women. That's all I can think about. Right. How much pain they endured. Sorry, I know I kind of went off topic, but that's just awful.
0: I know. And she was pretty young. She was 22 years old. And apparently this guy didn't want the baby. He got tired of her. And he talks her into doing this, more or less. Um, Some of the stories have it that um, possibly they lured her and they actually murdered her because oh, there were signs of a struggle. Oh, oh, god. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know which story is the right story because I didn't really delve too deeply into that. But right. struggle, um, no
1: matter what, though.
0: Ugh. Pearl died during the attempted operation, so to cover their tracks, they surgically removed her head. Oh my
1: god! I thought okay. the story wasn't getting no worse.
0: No, it, it gets worse. Yeah. Oh my god! And then. They chucked it in a field far away from the body so no one would be able to identify the body. So, to this day, nobody ever found this head. You are fucking kidding me. No. Oh, my god! This poor girl was buried without her head. Oh, they, but the guy's
1: fine. Sure, he had a merry, happy life, right? No. They had to get caught. No, oh, no, no, thank no, no, God. No, no,
0: no, 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 They got, They were hung. Oh, yes. <laughs> Both of them. Both of them. Please, they like still a, didn't this... have to endure the pain, though. yeah. So, this caused like a big ruckus back then. And yeah, there was like a huge crowded trial and like there was a hanging. And apparently, they would have got away with it. However, the body still had her clothes on. And I guess they ad- identified her by her shoes. Huh. And they found a bunch, it led to a bunch of other stuff. So,
1: kind of makes you wonder if it was just like a small town, maybe. And maybe she wore the same shoes? Because that seems kind of like No, because she came from
0: somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, she rode a train there. And it's odd. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't really get too deep into okay. that one, just just that part of it. So about these occultists, one of the stories was that the um that has the most sticking power is that the old slaughterhouse became the meeting place for devil worshippers, and that they used the slaughterhouse well to make sacrifices. And one of the stories is that one of those guys was an actual occultist. Really? So I I don't take that with a, with grain, a grain of salt because yeah. it, it sounds like some of these stories are kind of like mm, tongue-in-cheek <laughs> like okay <laughs> um, well it'd be the perfect place, place. they there. have
1: a draining thing for blood right yeah
0: well a perfect sacrificial altar altar right there if it goes straight down into the river
1: <laughs> god that river <laughs> it's just I know like, I just that's can't just even. gross
0: <laughs> So, anyways, there's that. And so, this well is still in the basement. No. The basement of Bobby Mackey's. And some people call it the Hell Mouth. It's like the gateway to hell. Yeah. Where's Buffy the Vampire right. Slayer when you said need it? Her? <laughs>
1: Cover that motherfucker up.
0: Okay, so more on that that's later. That's strange. Holy shit,
1: that's strange.
0: Yeah, isn't it? That creeped me out. Um, by 1925, all that had changed. The okay. booming sin trade from Newport and Cincinnati. Leaked across to Ohio, sprouting a crop of distilleries, brothels, and speakeasies. And apparently this was one of them. So in Wilder, this is, it's Wilder, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, wasn't to be left out. Soon had a distillery of its own at 44 Licking Pike Road. That's okay. That's the name of the, the- Licking. Yeah, that's the address. Um, the site of the former slaughterhouse above the tracks. The distillery ran a gambling and prostitution in addition to illegal alcohol and all oh, that's a pretty volatile mix.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So then it comes along E.A. Buck, Brady, known as Buck. Okay. Um, he purchases the property in the 1940s and by then it had a pretty bad reputation. E.A. Brady was a former bootlegger, and he spent the bootlegging profits from Prohibition. Um, By this time, Prohibition is over. So um, he buys this place, he renovates the building, and he opens it as an underground casino called In the Beginning, the Bluegrass Inn, and then um, later he changes it to the Primrose Club. Fancy. Fancy. He soon attracted the attention of the Cleveland Four, um, which is basically the mob in Cleveland. Oh, okay. And Red Masterson, who has, uh, he operates another, uh, place close by called the Merchants Club. And I guess it's like dipping into his profits yeah. and whatever. So you know he, how like, they comes, were the mafia, po- that yeah. mafia man. So they come and there like strong, ha- strong arm and say, you need to cut your business because it's not approved, whatever. Gotta and go. He, yeah. And he's like, no, fuck you. So he goes, um, to this place where masterson works and he shoots him oh okay then
1: that's a way to take care of an um, argument i guess
0: um so i guess he. But it's
1: the 1940s right
0: uh yeah well, Still a yeah, little 1940s. bit of wild, wild
1: west in... yep
0: a little bit okay well and then the mob all that yeah. is wow. going on still all right and so red masterson is basically a syndicate operative and so he's one of their guys okay it goes to trial He gets arrested for disturbing the peace. Oh, okay. (laughs) It goes to trial and Red Masterson, he doesn't snitch on him or anything. So he walks. And when he gets out of there, they're like, you have two choices. You can die or you can get the fuck out of town. So he gets the fuck out of town. He moves to Florida. And I guess he freaking a few years later ends up killing himself.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me he was a big tycoon of the local casino or hotel. That was the end
0: of his story. And apparently he's one of the ghosts that haunts the place. And then the syndicate took over the Primrose and renamed it the Latin Quarter. But that was later. As the decades passed, the mob found itself hard-pressed, um... The cops were always raiding the place. Imagine that. No. Yeah. Because of them <laughs> and because of the gambling and whatever. Um, the Latin Quarter was routinely raided throughout the 1950s by local police who took sledgehammers to the walls in order to con- confiscate the slots. In 1961, the Latin Quarter closed. A few other businesses operated in the building after that, including a bingo hall and the last of them, a brawling biker bar known officially as the Hard Rock Cafe. No relation. Really? To the actual Hard Rock huh, Cafe. Interesting and colloquially like locally it was called the bloody bucket
1: oh okay that that sounds about right right
0: (laughs) um like
1: nope i'm not gonna be going into that bar yeah so that place
0: closes in 1977 because there were some shootings and um people were getting killed 70s yeah (laughs) and bikers (laughs) and then the building sat vacant for about a year and then came bobby Mackey. Looking for a place, you know, to do his own thing. Do his own honky-tonk. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, like, getting back to the deaths I told you about, um, Pearl Bryan okay. in 1896. Um, which happened, like, two miles from the slaughterhouse. And... Makes you wonder if she haunts that slaughterhouse because they put the head in there. Well, they don't know, because they never found the head.
1: That's maybe the reason why she haunts yeah. there. Like yeah. Headless... That's one of
0: the theories, is that they threw... Well... And it comes back to this whole devil worshiper, occultist thing, where one of the theories was... They summoned her there? No, they threw her head down the well in some sort of sacrificial oh. ritual. So, I don't know. isn't. It just is a it is, it just, it just sound It sounds so over the top. Yeah. And it sounds like a whole 80s theory. This is like that during that panic, time...
1: Yeah, it was a satanic satan- panic. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, okay. So there's that. <laughs> And then there was another stories from the 1950s that says a young woman named Johanna or Johanna found love and became pregnant with one of the nightclub singers, Robert Randall. Okay. They planned to lope together. However, upon hearing the news, her father used his criminal connections to have Robert Randall killed. And in some of the um, stories that I read, Red Masterson is her dad. Okay. And then other ones are a little bit more vague. So okay. I don't know if that's actually the case or just a story that just like kind of developed over the years, yeah. yeah. So heartbroken by this, Johanna took her own life down in the club's basement.
1: No, so a lot not of in shit well. went down in the
0: basement. Did she
1: go to the well from hell?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> 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 All right. So paranormal activity. Okay. In 1878, when ba- Bobby Mackey um, purchases the property and turns it into the current establishment, um, that stood there for about 41 years now. And it also has to be said that Bobby Mackey. Doesn't believe in ghosts. Okay. He kind of like dismisses everything. Like he's just kind of like pure coincidence. Yeah, there's a reason. He's like a huge skeptic. Yeah, but he doesn't doubt um, the word of family members, employees, police officers, and patrons who have experienced strange activity, and everybody
1: else from that town.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Both the clergy and psychics have tried to help, um, but a dark forester still seems to linger there. Oh no. Yeah. So. Then there's the account of Carl Lawson, who was about 20 years old when he started working for Bobby Mackey. He was hired on to paint and clean prior to opening, and when the place opened, he was hired on as a full-time live-in caretaker. Okay. One night, he opens up to Bobby about what happens. Sorry, my contacts. Like, I just bought new contacts, and they did something funky with them. They told me that, like... Your vision has changed? My vision's changed get older
1: because getting old sucks yeah
0: Yeah, and so i don't have a toric lens in one of my eyes anymore so really yeah so it's really weird but i'm still trying to get used to them them? so like i keep on like moving this paper in and out like what is going on anyways um so one night he opens up to bobby about what happens after everyone leaves at night Carl begins to tell him stories of being watched, about noises and phantom footsteps, parading across the dark dance floor. Oh no! That's Uh, no good. Yeah. Of presences prowling through the basement, Bobby, though not himself inclined towards supernatural terror, listened with growing alarm. Um, I said, Carl, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Like a typical man. I don't want <laughs> nobody to know nothing about that. Here I am putting everything I got in here. I didn't want to be scaring people off before we got started. No doubt.
1: Little you know, if he would have done it now, it would have been a huge visitor uh, attraction.
0: Right. Well, and it, it and it is, is even it really? to this day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Carl agrees to keep it to himself. He continued to live upstairs in the upstairs apartment. Bobby said, sleeping with a, with a brace against the door and a shotgun by his bed. So that's how much, whatever was going on around there was terri- but if terrifying, there's a ghost, him. What good was that kind to do? Well, you know, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> Made him feel better Scooby-Doo, though, right?
0: Scooby-Doo, you know, sometimes you take the mask off and it's, it's really an old man, disgruntled old man. That is true. It is so. <laughs> Dang those pesky kids. Um, occasionally Carl attempted to... Update Bobby about the club's supernatural goings-on, and Bobby refused to hear it, of course. Janet, his wife, on the other hand, listened and believed. In interviews prior to her passing in 2009, she recalled an overwhelming sensation of malice that seemed to bleed out of the walls. Worse, she claimed to have been attacked while in the building with a ghostly force grabbing her by the waist and pushing her down a flight of stairs. Huh. And she was also five months pregnant at the oh, time. Oh no! Um, soon, Bobby said that she flatly refused to enter the building alone.
1: Hell yeah, I would too. I mean, <laughs> fuck that place.
0: <laughs> Other members of the stack claimed to have encounters of their own: glimpses, sounds, sensations of being watched or followed, touched, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Or seeing things. Um, a horror writer named Doug Hensley was, which was a friend of Bobby Mackey's, began hanging around the bar one night. While the two men were chatting about Hensley's writing, Bobby mentioned a few of the stories Carl had told him about the club. After interviewing staff and gathering input from Bobby himself and from, he, and from Carl, I, apparently like he got all excited about this. Okay. And like the next day he was like, you know, like a writer, like, oh my God, well, wow, this tell is a great more, story. Tell me more, tell me more, yeah. So he goes and hits up Carl about it and Carl's like all like, you know, cause Bobby didn't want him telling anybody. The so The first he's like, rule
1: oh. of, of the honky tonk
0: club <laughs> is uh, you
1: don't talk about the honky tonk club.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: and the spirits it's... that walk at night.
0: So <laughs> I guess uh, Bobby basically gave him permission to tell him his stories. So he writes a book, first of which, the first um, iteration of that book comes out in 1989, and it's titled Hell's Gate, The Terror at Bobby Mackey's Music World. Oh. So I kind of want to read this now. (laughs) Um, With increased attention, Carl's tale became more dramatic. Hensley's um, work reveals that he began talking to himself, and he reported constant trouble sleeping. He said the demons, he said, were attacking him in his dreams. Ooh. Soon he claimed to have been possessed. The demons. demons. The demons. You wouldn't spend the night there, right?
1: Fuck no. You couldn't get me within a block of that phase. Although place.
0: I was very surprised a couple of weeks ago when you texted me about the Orpheum Theater. <laughs> Orpheum Theater that happens like, to be we the should...
1: same night at the memorial. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we should do the ghost tour. And I was like, What? <laughs> I shook my phone for a second. I was like, mood. (laughs) What's wrong with my phone?
1: (laughs) But you know, honestly, I love our Orpheum Orpheum Theater. And I want to say that I've gone through there um, not on an official um, tour of it. The security guard had just let me, um, my husband and Talia um, in. And he would say, yeah, there's supposed to be ghosts, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, eh. I just love being in there. I I find it fascinating. So you do
0: the ghost tour?
1: If it was on a different day, yeah. Because I looked at that and it made me real sad. At the Orpheum.
0: Yes, ma'am. You're like, okay. I'm going to hold you to your word. I you yeah, said it I just Yeah, loud. you said it out loud. and We have you <laughs> recorded here on the podcast. Yvette just said that she would go to a haunted tour out at the Orpheum loud. Theater. Okay, so we're going to hold her to that. We might even film it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> or record it in some way, shape, or form. Okay. So a ch- short time later. Oh, and he also becomes Possessed. Oh, you're telling me about that? Yeah, he submits to an exorcism attempt, and it's unsuccessful. I've heard about those exorcism attempts. Fuck that! Let Uh, him be possessed. I sort of, I can't watch that stuff. Like I literally can't. And er and earlier, like I was like just typing up the story and i kind of had youtube running in the background and i was listening to little bits and pieces and then i just stopped this listening to it because i was just typing up the story and it had moved on to the next youtube video which was the actual exorcism no No, and i was like what the hell am i listening to no (laughs) no 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 no. i get freaked out when that happens Uh (laughs) okay so whenever like i'm watching because i do like watching the paranormal stuff and whenever they start doing like a seance or ouija board or whatever i'm like i'm out you've never seen anybody change a channel so so fast fast or fly across the room to find the remote control as i am i
1: hear you you thought it was fast when
0: i was running away from that rattlesnake (laughs) even faster than that
1: Girl, I bet. I can't see that stuff. I'm like, change it. change it. change it. it like, I'm getting there. Hold on. It's a commercial. I don't care.
0: Oh, my God. All right. So a short time later, Lawson began to experience visions of a spirit who called herself Joanna.
1: Okay. Ooh.
0: Joanna. And I don't think I wrote it in here, but and, and maybe I did. But Bobby Mackey writes a, a song about Joanna. Really? Yeah. And I listened to it earlier and it wasn't that bad. Cool. It was interesting. So you'll have to listen to it. Definitely. Um, she would often speak to Lawson and he was able to answer her and carry on conversations. The rumors quickly started that Lawson was talking to himself. Lawson claimed that Joanna was a tangible presence presence, though often leaving the scent of roses in her wake. And that's an experience of a lot of people that have experienced Joanna. Um, the rose smelling yeah the rose smelling and she's the one that committed suicide she's the one that was yeah and interestingly enough um if these stories are to be believed she was five months pregnant oh really yeah and so the so ghosts would... don't
1: like pregnant people right yeah
0: and i guess that's one of the thing on the ghost tours okay um if you're pregnant they'll ask you to be like uh we'd have... It if you're not on the tour. No. Yeah. and so was yeah. Yeah, Bobby so Mackey's was, Jo-han- first was wife. No, Johanna. And the other girl, Joanna? the one that they did the. um No, I thought her. What, the oh, ma- Pearl. Pearl. Yeah, Pearl. Oh, so wow. that's, that's no interesting. Good. Paranormal investigators and psychics who have uh, been in there and investigated have claimed that there are up to forty different spirits prowling Bobby Mackey's music world. All of Jesus. different personalities, temperaments, and danger. Even police officers have allegedly seen some of these spirits. Really? Yeah. Um, Some still believe the building's basement holds the gateway or portal to hell itself, a reference to the long-abandoned Slaughterhouse Well. Um, Stairs near the well in the old Slaughterhouse have been deemed the stairs that lead to nowhere. Phantom footsteps can often be heard on these stairs so it makes you wonder because the other guy had
1: um, mob ties i'm wondering how many people actually got put down that right mouth of that well
0: exactly i mean the river's right there if the river's right there bye bye you owe us a gambling debt bye exactly that's a trip Yeah, so anyways, um, some believe that the spirits can't cross the flowing waters, so rare northern currents of the Licking River may keep the dark forces trapped inside the building. Um, A patron claims to have experienced suffocating heat, a flying trash can, and a man with a handlebar mustache repeating, die game, die game, which I guess in Latin. I I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It's Latin for dying well and dying good. Really? Yeah. In the men's restroom.
1: Oh, I thought it made like a, like, you know, shooting dice. Dice. Yeah, no. (laughs) Dice
0: game. What'd you say? (laughs) And like I said, Bobby's wife, she, her claim um, to have been overcome by the scent of roses in the basement, grabbed around the waist, picked (sighs) up and thrown down and pushed down the stairs by force that resembled sketches of Alonzo wailing screaming get out get out she refused to set foot in the club again yeah fuck that yeah i i think an invisible force throw me down the stairs fuck you and you know the feeling of something grabbing you around the waist that's just weird (laughs) that gives me the chills um, Roger Heath, who often worked odd jobs in the club, remembered a summer morning when he and Carl Lawson were working alone in the building. Heath was removing some light fixtures from the dance floor and Lawson was carrying them down to the basement. Just before lunch, Lawson came up the stairs and Heath noticed that he had a small hand pr- he had small hand prints on the back of his shirt. It looked just like a woman had been hugging him. Holy shit, that's insane. That's creepy as hell. Hell yeah. Oh no. Hot spots in the club include the spotlight room and a catwalk over the stage, the well in the basement, the old china room, and the platform area near near the kitchen. People have also claimed to see ghosts in the big pitted mirror in the main room. Oh my god, that's insane. Mirrors creep me out. I know. The club manager claims that on several occasions she would go to through the club and make sure everything was turned off and closed down for the night. Then hours later, she would find that the bar lights were on, the front doors were unlocked, and the jukebox would be playing the Anniversary Waltz, which is weird because that wasn't even in the catalog. Really? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. In conclusion. In conclusion. Bobby Mackey's has attracted all sorts of paranormal investigators. Many of them have not been disappointed, coming away with EVPs, personal experiences, and photographs and film of paranormal experiences, paranormal images, ghosts, images, globes. Yep. The club has been visited by several TV shows, and one of the most infamous is a 2008 episode of the hit series Ghost Adventures, who featured it along with host Zach Baggins. During their investigations, Baggins, Baggins, Bagel, whatever his name is, (laughs) um, claimed to have made contact with the murder of Pearl Bryan, and even to have been possessed by a demon, which, I'm sorry i watched Watch the, the, i yeah. watched that show but like i said for entertainment value because sometimes I'm, they're just like so fucking over the top and Dramatic. they're like they provoke they provoke it's just like <laughs> i'm like what do you expect all right anyways well so, how does she present to him though did she
1: have a head when she was presenting herself to him
0: i have no idea maybe she didn't that's insane uh, Beggins like was apparently so convinced that he was possessed that an exorcism was carried out on him, and and I did start watching part of that earlier, and because I, I remember seeing it a long time ago. Okay, and I think that's what I seen this story like pop up, and I was like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I remember seeing something about that. Anyways, yeah,
1: do you believe he was really know, possessed though, or do you think it was? More well, for they kind of like went off camera
0: when they did the actual possess the um what do you call it? exorcism on him. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You
1: never know. <laughs> inquiring wines. Inquiring wines want to know.
0: <laughs> this inquiring wine wants to wants know.
1: Wants to know right this now. This
0: inquiring wine wants to be drank. <laughs> okay. What was I reading? Okay. Um, and he also claims that he was physically assaulted by a demo- demonic entity down there in the g- gloom, which left behind claw marks, which... They did show, like, close-ups of that. Okay. And I believe that that happened. Okay. Across his chest. The episode... And you know what? Like, they go into these places and they provoke and they yell and they just, like, try to piss off the spirits. So, like... They yeah, some of that stuff, I I don't know. The episode proved so successful that there was even a follow-up episode called Return to Bobby Mackey's in 2010. Of course, you should visit Bobby Mackey's to listen to some tunes, drink a few beers, and maybe take a chance at the mechanical pool. There's a mechanical pool. Oh, wow. So when we're in Kentucky, maybe we'll visit.
1: We'll be drunk because we'll be visiting all the bourbon distilleries. But yes, I'm on board. <laughs>
0: But if paranormal adventure is your thing, there are also nightly tours, including, if you dare, the basement area.
1: Oh no. I there... do not dare.
0: And <laughs> as if that wasn't ominous enough, there's also a warning sign at the entrance that reads warning to our patrons, this establishment is purported to be haunted. Management is not responsible and cannot be held liable for any actions of any ghosts slash spirits on these premises. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently somebody did try to sue him. Really? Yeah. Well, that were america, For being attacked so. by a spirit. American. Yeah. It's like yeah. um, america america Yep.
1: Making so That's it great my story. <laughs> Yay. I put a thumbs up to all my case and you know Well, nobody saw so when I talk about it. <laughs> but they know now. They do. That's interesting, though. I think, I mean, it's like a historic place. Like, when you go to Kentucky, you have to stop by there, right? Right. like,
0: you know. And who knows what kind of, like, I mean, mobsters have been through there. It was a slaughterhouse. It was a speakeasy. I mean, it had so many different incarnations as
1: you never know what was left behind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: been pretty awesome. Good story, Alma. I liked it.
0: I visit. I know. Just to hear some music.
1: Same. And maybe
0: i be spirit. drunk. I'm
1: the bravest when I'm the drunkest. So I, you gotta catch me before I. I'm yeah, there's a very narrow asleep.
0: window because remember that time we were walking down <laughs> downtown and you're like, "Let's go to the San, San Carlos,", Carlos yep. and then five minutes later, like, "No, no, maybe later." You have to catch me at the right time.
1: You get me all excited. Oh, so how what are you gonna do this weekend, Alma?
0: Oh, what what what? What are you doing this weekend? Oh, this coming weekend. Well, guess what we're doing. Game of Thrones. Thrones on Sunday. Yes. We're going to have a little get together. Yes, yes. I was thinking of decorating the bathroom and decorating the toilet with a bunch of swords. Really? <laughs> <laughs> what of these people who are going to have a sword up their ass? That's really good. I'm just playing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you could s- sit on the actual yeah, throne. Yeah. Somebody come out riding it? <laughs> Hey, why is everybody going to the bathroom? Right? Uh, Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Same. I'm excited. Yeehaw. Me too, me too. All right. Well, that's our stories for tonight. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Yvette, for uh, making an appearance and being my co-host one more time.
1: You're, uh, what's it, ride or die? Ride or die, my ride or die (laughs) friend.
0: (laughs) I miss you. I know, babe. I miss you too. All right. Everybody have a good night. This is Tipsy Tipsy Tales. I'm Yvette. Hi, Mama. Good night. Good night. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tipsy Tales. Music by Jesse Bisqueda, Artwork by Sergio Hernandez. And if you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review. Thanks.